I take your Bibles again. Turn with me to Psalm 49. Psalm 49. Let's begin our reading in verse 5. Scripture says, Wherefore should I fear in the days of evil when the iniquity of my heels shall compass me about. They that trust in their wealth and boast themselves in the multitude of their riches, none of them by any means can, can by any means redeem his brother, nor give to God a ransom for him for the redemption of their soul is Precious, and it ceaseth forever. Now, I've entitled this message Precious Redemption. Precious Redemption. This psalmist here is encouraging himself that he should not fear. He is surrounded by the multitude of enemies, surrounded by those whose houses are against him and their houses are rising. They're, they're becoming wealthy, powerful. He's encouraging himself not to fear. And he says that in verse 6, that because they trust in their wealth and boast themselves in the multitude of their riches. We live in such a wealthy land. There has not been in the history of mankind as much dispersed wealth as there is in this land that we live in. There are more millionaires today in, our, in this country than have ever been in the history of any nation. It's a wealthy nation. These wealthy men, I, I can't sometimes when I think about their wealth, I can't wrap my mind around it. I don't really understand that much wealth. I mean, we, we live comfortably. In, in most countries, we would be considered wealthy. We have houses to live in. We have running water. We have, you know, things that people just don't have in, in other countries. And we consider ourselves poor. So I really can't wrap my mind around it. But listen, men in this country are so wealthy that they can buy all kinds of extravagant Extravagant boats and cars of houses, palaces, mansions. I mean, <laughs> no, I know a man just, you know, just somebody I, I met. He, is, he sold his, his house for multi-millions of dollars. It was, it, you could fit like 20 of my houses into his. I, I can't wrap my mind around it. They're given the best tables. They eat the best foods. They can buy servants. And listen, they can rule people. If you have money, you are able to manipulate and rule over people. Wealthy men are very powerful. They're powerful men. They make laws or they pay men to make laws. They buy off judges. They set criminals free or they 
condemn them, whatever they desire to do with it. They have money. Wealth of this world, they can do anything. The wealthy of this world tells us that everything has a price. That's what men believe, really. You ask a wealthy man that, he'll tell you everything has a price. Everything has a price. You just name it. Well, friends, I'm going to tell you something tonight that, that no man, I don't care how wealthy he is, could ever purchase this. And that is redemption. To redeem his soul before a holy and just God, I don't care how wealthy or powerful he is, this is a priceless thing. Redemption. The wealth of this world can buy power, fame, and earthly possessions, even people. But one thing it cannot buy is redemption. Look at this. Look what God says. And He's telling us, you read that at the beginning, He said, listen, you whole world, you listen to this. In verse 7, none of them can by any means redeem his brother, nor give to God a ransom for him. How foolish then is it for us to envy the world? How ignorant it is to covet the things and the riches of this world because they are passing. This whole text is telling us this, that these people, they, they think that they're, they're, they're storing up a name for themselves. They think that when they die, their name is somehow going to echo through eternity. God says the minute their light goes out, their name goes out. And they can carry none of what they got with them. Having riches in this world only leaves a void in sinful men. The more they have, the more they want. That's just our nature, friends. That's just our nature. Solomon said, a man that has silver is not satisfied with silver. It's just not. The sins of the flesh and the wealth of the world cannot satisfy. It promises peace. It promises joy. It promises contentment. But the end of these things is death. That's all. He says, listen, you high and low, you rich and poor, you listen to that. We all have one place we're going, the grave. I don't care how rich you are, you can't stop this. Rich, poor, powerful, and weak. We all end in the same place. The sins of this flesh and the wealth of the world cannot satisfy. The end is as bitter as wormwood and sharper than a two-edged sword. I remember a long time ago, a long time ago there was this, I say a long time ago, in the 90s I guess it was. Doesn't seem long to me. <laughs> but it was, it's been a while. I remember this comedian, he was a very famous man, very funny man, very talented man, very gifted man. And he had an interview just before he died. It wasn't a few weeks, a few, about a month or so before he died. And he said this in the interview. He said, I have 
everything a man could want. And by all means, outward means, he did. He had riches. He was a rich man. He was a very wealthy man. Very famous man. His wife was a beautiful woman. He had wonderful children. Children were gorgeous children. They all seemed to be intelligent and, and delightful. And it wasn't long after that, his wife went in the room, shot him in the head, and killed herself. They went to eternity. What did all his fame and fortune buy him? Nothing. The moment he went out into eternity, he found out his riches and fame did not redeem his soul. Our Lord Jesus asked that question. He said, what does it profit a man if he gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? There may be wealthy people trusting in their wealth. And there are. I'm not, I'm not kidding. There are people who are really trusting their soul into their, their charity. They give, give, and give, and give, and they're trusting somehow this is going to move the scale of God's justice in their favor. They're really trusting, and that, that's foolish. We know this. Anybody who has any inkling of the Word of God knows that that's foolish. Why? Redemption can't be bought. But I'll tell you what. There are millions and millions more trusting in the riches of their own righteousness. You may be poor monetarily, but there are millions who are poor and without any means of, of physical wealth, but yet they believe themselves to be spiritually wealthy in self-righteousness. They're trusting in the riches of their works to redeem their souls. Some men think if they can make some effort of charity, something to help the poor, while others are looking to their own works and obedience to the law, they think that somehow they can redeem themselves. Isn't that what they're doing? Buying To redeem something is to buy it. That's it. They think that my works and my obedience somehow by favor with God, that I can redeem my soul by my works. But listen, it doesn't matter what men think. What does God say about this? Well, you just read it. None of them can by any means redeem his brother. You can't redeem. There is no earthly means by which you can redeem a soul. God said, I will by no means clear the guilty. I'll tell you, there's some who are educated in, in Scripture and they, they know God is holy. They know He will not accept earthly redemption price. They know that Jesus came in order to pay the price 
for sin, but they believe that they must add something to his work, to his redemption. They hear that Jesus, they say, I will sing of my Redeemer. And then they go ahead and they say, well, Christ redeemed me, but I have to contribute to his offering. I have to contribute my works. They falsely believe that Christ died for all of the sins of all men, and then they must exercise their will in order to complete the redemption price. Well, he paid for the redemption, but I didn't really complete until I give my acknowledgement of it. I'm not really redeemed until I accept it. You know what the apostle says about that in Galatians. In Galatians chapter 5, these people in Galatia, they thought they just needed to be circumcised. They thought that Christ's offering was sufficient to a point, but yet they had one thing that they had to offer in this matter of redemption, justification. Paul says in uh, Galatians 5 verse 1, Stand fast therefore in the liberty wherewith Christ hath made us free, and be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage, talking about the law. Behold, I, Paul, say unto you that if you be circumcised, Christ shall profit you nothing. For I testify again to every man that is circumcised that he is a debtor to the whole law. Christ has become of no effect to you. Whosoever you are that are justified by the law, you are fallen from grace. There's no, no mixture of grace and works. There's no way. And the scriptures are very clear. They draw that line very clearly. So free will works religion cannot redeem a man. Why? Because the price is too small. It's not enough. Free will is never enough. You know what they do then? They have to add the law. This is why they must go to the, turn to the law as a rule of their life. Friends, man is born dead in sin. This is who we are. We are born dead in sin. Our mind is dead and we cannot understand this. Our will is dead so that we could not even come to Christ when we hear it. Even because we don't know Him. Christ told us this about ourselves. No man has the ability to come to me. No man can come to me except the Father which has sent me, draw him. Man does not need help in this matter of redemption. He needs to be redeemed. He needs a resurrection of the soul. He doesn't need a pat and a push. He needs life. doesn't need to re-educate himself in religion, nor does he need to make a decision. Listen, the decision's already been made. God has made the decision. The decision of death has already been made. When Adam sinned, death came. That decision's made. You don't get to come into this world and make a decision whether you're dead or not. You're, that decision's made for you. You're dead. Anyone who is outside of Christ, you are dead. You are dead in sins. And listen, this matter of life, this matter of redemption, the decision's already been made. The Lord will give life to whomsoever He has chosen. 
And whomsoever He has chosen, He Himself will redeem. And whomsoever He redeemed, He will call them to life and they will believe on Him and He will keep them in faith until He brings them to Himself. What part of that decision do you have? I know this in John 1 it says this He came into His own His own received Him not Came to His own people They rejected Him Came to His own temple They rejected Him Came to His own land Rejected Him Came into His own His own received Him not But as many as received Him To them gave He the right To be called The privilege to be called The sons of God Which were born Not of blood not by family relations. No Christian is made by family relations. Not by the will of man. Not by the will of somebody else. I can't will someone to be redeemed, to be saved. Nor by the will of the flesh. I can't will myself to be born again. So whose will is it? But of God. Many has received Him. You were born not of blood, nor the will of the flesh, nor the will of man, but of God. So spiritual birth and faith is not an action of man's will, but an act of God's will. And for man to boast in their will is just foolishness. It's just as foolish as trusting in your wealth. To trust in the wealth of your self-righteousness is just as foolish as to trust in the wealth of your money to save you. It's foolish because neither the wealth of your obedience nor the wealth of your money can afford redemption. Look at our text again. None of them can redeem his brother or give a ransom to God for him. Why? Well, verse 8. Look at this. This is God telling you why there's no way. For redemption of their soul is cost. The word precious means costly. And once redemption is made, listen, it ceases forever. And so, let me ask you this. How precious, how costly is redemption? How much does it cost to redeem a soul? How much of a ransom must be given to God for a soul? When we say something is precious, we say it is precious because it is rare. It's rare. It's of extreme and irreplaceable value. And so I've got two things, three things I want us to see tonight. How much does a redemption cost? What is it that... What is the price? If a man is to be redeemed from the corruption of his nature, the sin of his soul, how much does it cost? What is the price? Secondly, we're going to see this, that only God can provide it. Only God can provide it. And when God provides it, that's the end of it. There's only 
one redemption price, and once it's paid, it's paid. Let's see this. How, how much does it cost, and what does it require? First of all, I want you to see that this price requires a spotless offering. A spotless offering. And when Adam sinned, he was then unable to understand or know how to please God. What was the first thing our father did when he felt his sin, when he knew his nakedness? We know this because this is what we all do. He went and found some leaves. He worked with his hands, sewed them together, made coverings for him and his wife. And for a moment, they felt this was enough to redeem them. They felt the price was enough. Until when? Until God showed Himself. When God came walking in the cool of the day, they knew this was not sufficient. They ran and hid themselves from God. They tried to cover their sins with the works of their hands. When God appeared... This was not sufficient. And listen to me. Neither is the work of our hands sufficient to cover ourselves before God. I don't care what you do. There is no price you can pay. There is no work you can do. But what did God do? God in mercy and for His own glory had already provided a surety for them. He had already provided someone who was going to pay the ransom for them. We know this, that Christ was always purposed of God to pay the ransom. He was always in the covenant of grace to be the surety. And then God told Adam about it. He told him in a small message, in a very small message. Consider this message. The seed of the woman shall crush the head of the serpent. That, that thing brought sin and tempted you. God's going to kill it and his sin. How? By the bruising of this one's heel. The seed of the woman, Satan's going to bruise his heel. And this is going to be the, the, the redemption price. He was speaking about how he was going to redeem them. And then what did he do? Remember that God made the first sacrifice, right? God killed that innocent animal and used His skin to cover their nakedness. It was a picture of what Christ was going to come to do. And so God instituted this ordinance by that. Without the shedding of blood is no remission. He made a sacrifice took the innocent to cover the guilty. Friends, God who is holy and just, I want you to understand, He is the offended party. Man walks around thinking he's the offended party. And so man starts to make up what it is that he needs to do for God. God is the offended party. And listen to me. God is telling you what He requires. Death. 
the soul that sinneth, it shall surely die. There's a payment. God who is holy and just is the offended party. He who created all things, made all things without sin, perfect. And it was man who sinned. And by this one man came sin and death and spiritual bondage. He was the representative of his whole race. And so when he sinned, we sinned. When he became a slave to sin, so did we. And this truth is told in Scripture. Wherefore by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin. So death passed upon all men. For all have sinned. Therefore we come into this world speaking lies. Now what the Scripture tells us, we came forth from the womb speaking lies. I know you taught your daughters to lie. You had to. Because they were just honest girls. No. We were born liars. There is none righteous. You get this? None righteous. No, not one. There is none that understandeth. There is none that doeth good. So the true cost to buy out a soul from the slave market of sin is too high because we are all guilty. We are all guilty. Man will... God will not accept just any offering for sin, but it must be a blameless offering. It must be an offering, but it must be a blameless offering. The scriptures bear this out I, in many types and places, but I think the best place to look is the Passover lamb. The Passover lamb is a picture of Christ. You remember the children of Israel were in bondage and they needed to be redeemed. They needed to be bought out of Egypt. They were in bondage and they could by no means free themselves. What a picture of us. We by nature in bondage can't free ourselves. We cannot buy ourselves. There's no price we could pay to God. But God according to His covenant promised to the seed, to Christ. He promised them that after 400 years that He would set them free. And He did this by the blood of the Passover Lamb. The Lord tells the men of Israel, He said, take a lamb. Take a lamb. And this lamb must be very specific, without spot or blemish. It must be a perfect lamb. A male of the first year. And it must be taken from the sheep and from the goats. To redeem a soul, it must be by an offering that is acceptable to God. It must be a spotless offering. A sinless offering. Let me ask you this. What could you offer to God that is not tainted with sin? There is nothing we have touched that is not tainted with sin. God requires a spotless, a sinless offering. Yet we know this, 
that of all the thousands and thousands of spotless lambs that ever were slain by those high priests, that none of them could remove sin. None of them actually redeemed anyone. These spotless offerings is only a picture of the only one who is able to fit the bill, Jesus Christ. He is the only spotless lamb. And this spotless lamb must be taken from among the goats and sheep. What does that mean? He's got to be taken from among the lost and the saved. He has to be taken from among men. This redemption price. Man is the one that brought sin. Man is responsible for it. Therefore, it must be by man that redemption comes. So Christ, who would come to redeem Israel, must come into the world and be without sin. Tonight, I desire to show you the spotless Lamb of God. If there is any who need to be redeemed, I'm telling you, you cannot redeem yourself. But behold the one that can. The one that has. The spotless lamb. The divine person of Jesus Christ. One with God. And yet in order to redeem us from the bondage of sin. He must be a man. Scripture says who being in the form of God. Being in the nature of God thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made of himself no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant. And being in found in fashion, in the nature of a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. I like that. When the Passover lamb was chosen, they had 14 days to, to look at it. 14 days God gave them to go over that lamb to make sure that it was spotless. When Christ walked upon the earth, don't you know that that was the 14 days? His whole life, they combed over him trying to find a spot. And what did they find? He said, the prince of this world hath found nothing in me. You say that. prince of this world surely can find a lot in me but hath found nothing in him to be redeemed we needed a spotless offering a righteous offering Christ came into the world as the only as the only righteous man he was tried of the religious rulers of the people he was tried of God and found there was no sin in him you see how precious this is? How rare? How rare is Christ? How rare is this man Jesus? He had no sin. There was no sin in this man. Pilate, when he got done judging him, what did he say? I find no fault in this man. Okay, go kill him. But that's true. He found no fault in him. No man could find fault in him. And no man can be set free from the bars of sin without righteousness. It was sin that gives death its sting and the strength of sin 
is the law. God's law, therefore, must be fulfilled. Righteousness must be fulfilled. The law to us only exposes sin. It can't redeem us. It can't redeem us. The law, the law will only free us if we were righteous. You can only be free from the law if you are righteous. In Isaiah chapter 1 and verse 27, God promises Zion shall be redeemed with two things, judgment and its converts with righteousness. The only way that a man is redeemed is he must be made righteous. How precious then is righteousness? How rare is it that there was only one man in the whole universe that obtained the righteousness of God by his obedience. That man is Jesus, the Son of the living God. He came into the world as the spotless offering, and by his spotless obedience, he obtained righteousness for all he was to redeem. Second, redemption must be bought with blood. Again, Without the shedding of blood is no remission. The Israelites were commanded then to take the lamb and kill it. To kill it. Take it in the midst of the congregation and kill it. Take its blood and put it on the doorposts. And that night when God came through, when justice came through, Everyone who had the blood, he passed over them. Why? Because the blood redeemed them. The blood redeemed them. Not only was Jesus to be the spotless offering, he was to be a lamb slain. This was always the purpose of God. It was always the purpose of God to redeem us by him. Even so, to redeem all of God's saints, he must have offered his blood for the redemption price. Therefore, behold the costly redemption of the soul in the substitutionary death of Jesus Christ. What does it cost to save and redeem a soul? There was only one price God required and only one price God would accept. The sinless Son of God being crucified for our sins. The sinless Son of God being our substitute. You see, justice could never free us from our sins by righteousness alone. Because we have sinned. If you were to take righteousness and put it on us, it would be contaminated. Except you first expiate our sins. First, you, you must remove our sins from us. And then you are able to robe us in the righteousness of Christ. Sins must be punished. We were really guilty of them. So 
So behold, in the redemption of God by the blood of Jesus Christ, we see in this the wisdom of God. How God could be just and still justify the ungodly. You see how narrow the gospel is? That it's only by Jesus Christ is a man redeemed. There is no other redemption. There is no other offering we could give to satisfy the justice of God. This is why hell is eternal, isn't it? They are constantly paying. Constantly paying. Constantly paying. And they're never paying anything. They can never redeem themselves. So the only hope of redemption that was God should offer His only begotten Son. The only one who could please the Father. The only one whose blood was sufficient to satisfy the justice of God. So Christ came down from heaven for this purpose of redeeming His people. The scripture says He was wounded. For our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And by his stripes we are healed. Behold his hands, his feet, his side, his head. As the blood flowed down. What was the purpose? He was redeeming us to God. He was paid. For our sin. Do you see this? That you're not getting into heaven without payment? Your sin must be paid for. Either by your hands or by the hands of another, it will be paid. This alone was a transaction between God and His Son when He took the guilt of our sins and made them His own. For he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin. You want to know what it cost? That's what it cost. And when God imputed our sins to Christ upon the cross and he bore our sins in his own body on the tree, the sinless Son of God, who knew no sin being made sin, satisfied forever the justice of God. Therefore, he said in no uncertain terms, it is finished. Redemption paid. Paid. God satisfied. God satisfied with his redemption, with his payment for sins. In Ephesians chapter... One. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 6. Actually, verse 7, in whom? Let's read verse 6. To the praise of the glory of His grace, wherein He hath made us accepted in the Beloved. In whom we have what? Redemption. 
you who believe on Christ, you, you want to know this? You have redemption. How? Through His blood. That was a price. It's been paid. The forgiveness of sins according to the riches of His grace. Behold, the only acceptable offering. How rare is this? There's only one. There's only one offering God purpose to accept and there's only one offering God accepts for the redemption of the soul. It is the righteousness and the blood of Jesus Christ. That's it. That's how rare it is. That's how precious it is that there's only one who has offered it and God has accepted it. Now then, the question then comes this. How can I be redeemed? I just showed you who the Redeemer is. I showed you the price that He paid. But the question is, how can I be redeemed? Am I redeemed? That's a question I want to know. This redemption we know is only purposed of God, accomplished by Christ, and given by the Holy Spirit, and we know it is only given to the elect. I know that. I know that's true. Well, who's that? Who were purposed to be redeemed and who were actually redeemed? I'll tell you this. Those who are redeemed are those who are by nature in the bondage of sin and need redemption. All of the elect understand this. I need to be redeemed. I know I cannot redeem myself. I know Redemption is so precious that only Christ can redeem me. And therefore, all of the elect trust only in Christ as all our redemption. All our redemption. Over in First uh, Peter chapter 1 and verse 18. It says, for as much as you know that you were not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold. You know that. I don't care how wealthy you are, you can't redeem yourself. I know that. Listen. From your vain conversation received by tradition of your fathers. I know I can't be redeemed by that either. I know this is my only hope. But with the precious blood of Jesus as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. Hey, there's the first one, right? Who verily was foreordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifest in these last times for you, who by him do believe in God that raised him from the dead, gave him glory, that your faith and hope might be in God. Seeing you have purified your souls in obeying the truth, through the Spirit. What is your obedience of the truth? Your obedience is faith. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. Have you obeyed that? How? Through the Spirit. That's how you've obeyed that. Through the work of the Spirit. To unfeigned love of the brethren. So you love each other with a pure heart fervently being born again not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible by the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. So every one of these elect, they hear.
hear the word of God and by the spirit of God they are convinced that they cannot redeem themselves. They are convinced that Jesus is the only spotless offering, that his blood actually satisfied God, that God raised him from the dead and set him upon the throne because of his success and we trust in his perfect redemption. Those are the ones that are redeemed. If you believe on Christ, you may confidently confess, I am the elect of God. I am redeemed. I am redeemed. And notice this last thing. This redemption, once it is paid, it ceases forever. Wouldn't it be unjust if you paid for something and then someone come back years later and say, you know what, I'm just going to add something to that. Now, I know you bought it, but, you know, I know we agreed on a price, but you know what, I just don't like it. I'm not satisfied with it. I'm just going to add to it. We all know that's unjust. We probably going to happen, but we know it's unjust. Listen. When Christ offered himself to God, God was forever satisfied. No more payment is required. It ceases forever. It ceases forever. All those who are redeemed by the blood and righteousness of Jesus Christ are redeemed forever. For this man, this man, after he'd offered one sacrifice for sins, sat down forever, sat down forever, expecting his enemies to be made his footstool for by his one offering, he hath perfected forever them that are sanctified. Scott, you are perfected forever. How? How in the world were you perfected forever? You are. You are perfected forever. No, you can't look in the mirror and say that. <laughs> we confess. That's true. We confess that we, we sin. But I, my hope is not in my sinning less or if I sin more, that has nothing to do with my redemption. My redemption ceased forever. God is completely satisfied. He hath perfected forever those we're sanctified. He perfected us forever. Once for all, O sinner, receive it. Once for all. Brother, believe it. Isn't that what we have trouble with? Isn't this why we fear? We fear. Oftentimes we doubt. Imagine that kid inside that house with the blood on the door. Can't see the blood. He had to trust his father exclusively. Dad, are you sure the blood, are you sure that lamb was spotless? <laughs> he, had a, he had a stake in it, didn't he? That firstborn, he had a stake in it. He, Dad, are you sure that blood, that, you sure you shed it right? You sure you put enough on the door? I know we feel that way. You sure it's sufficient? I don't feel redeemed. 
I don't deserve to be redeemed. So that ain't got nothing to do with it. The redemption of the soul is precious. And to you who believe, is not the Redeemer precious? Is he not of more value than anything in this world? To you who are redeemed, he is. Because I have something that no man could purchase. I have something that I could not buy or no man could buy for. Notice what he says this, and notice his comfort. Look at verse 15 in your text, and we'll close with this. Listen, listen. He said, talking about all those rich people, he said, uh, they're going to, they're going to, you know, they build their houses and expect to continue. But here's his hope. He said, but God will redeem my soul from the power of the grave. This is why we can be confident in the midst of every affliction. Every trial, every difficulty, every storm. Because when we die, it's not over. God will redeem me from the grave. Why? Because He paid the redemption price. I'm His. I am bought, lock, stock, and barrel. I'm His. He owns me. That pain you to say, not me. No, he owns me. My life is his. He bought it, every bit of it. And he will get what belongs to him. That's my hope. I'm kept. I'm kept. Why? I've been redeemed. I've been bought. Bought with a price precious blood of Jesus. Therefore, we sing of our Redeemer, don't we? We rejoice in our Redeemer. Pray God give us hearts to rejoice in Him. Be so thankful. Man, you're starving to death. Why are you, why are you smiling? I'm redeemed. You're dying. What, what's your joy? I'm redeemed. I'll give us hearts to rejoice in you. Let's stand and be dismissed in prayer. Father, thank you for your gracious gift. The rarest and most precious thing that you possess was your son and you gave him. In love, the Son redeemed us. In love, He called us in the midst of our bondage and freed us. Give us faith, love, and hope only in the precious redemption of Christ. Refresh your people with this. In Jesus' name.